You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. A tragic turn in BC's wildfire season. 19-year-old Devin Gale has been identified as the firefighter killed on the job while battling a fire in the mountains outside her hometown of Revelstoke. Troy Charles has more on how it happened and the tributes now pouring in. As wildfires rage across BC, taking people from their homes, they've now taken a life. On Thursday, 19-year-old Wildland firefighter Devin Gale died while trying to protect the community that her family has called home for generations. The whole community is reeling. Our province uh, is in mourning for her death. Gale was on the front lines of a brush fire in a remote area near Revelstoke when her team lost contact with her. She was found under a fallen tree and airlifted to Queen Victoria Hospital, where she succumbed to her injuries. The Premier says it's hard to think of a more dramatic example of sacrifice and commitment to the people of BC. This is a very, uh, very sad day for our province and for all British Columbians. And I want to say thank you to her for her work, uh, for her sacrifice and to her family and friends uh, for supporting her and doing this dangerous work. Um, our thoughts are with all of you. Gail's brother Nolan spoke highly of his sister in an Instagram tribute, saying he was grateful to grow up alongside her and that she always showed kindness to others expecting nothing in return. The Prime Minister calls the death heartbreaking, reminding Canadians to never forget the risk these heroes take every time they run toward the danger. In Revelstoke, the town remembers one of their own. It devastates a little town like this. Everybody knows somebody that knows her. It's really hard for a community when they lose someone, especially that young. Everyone loved her. Like, oh, it's... So, so sad. Interesting this morning, the smoke has uh, kind of billowed in and covered the uh, covered the community, just like a pall over the community. And, and so definitely it's an emotional time for all of us. RCMP, along with WorkSafe BC, BC Coroner Service and the BC Wildfire Service are all investigating Gail's death as they search for answers about what went wrong that took the life of a brave and selfless young woman far too soon. Troy Charles, Global News. And Devin Gale is the fourth wildfire fighter to be killed while on the job in B.C. since 2010. In July of 2015, 60-year-old John Fair was struck by a falling tree and killed while fighting a blaze on the Sunshine Coast. A lake near Seashell was later named in his honour. In July of 2010, two Conair air tanker pilots, Tim Whiting and Brian died when their plane crashed after striking a tree while dropping retardant on a fire south of Lytton. Well, wildfire crews are now on scene battling a fire at the south end of Pitt Lake. The fire was spotted over the noon hour along the shoreline on Grant Narrows. It's one and a half hectares and is burning out of control. At this point, it's believed the fire is human-caused. Two initial attack ground crews, one helicopter and two air tankers are trying to get control of the fire and keep it from spreading. And crews will begin mop-up operations on the Lower Seymour fire. That fire was first spotted Wednesday afternoon and is now classified as being held, meaning it's not expected to spread any further. The cause of the fire is still being investigated, but with little rain in the long-term forecast, officials say the fire is a critical reminder of just how dry our forests are.
And the federal emergencies minister has approved BC's request for more resources to help in the wildfire fight. Bill Blair says the aid will come from across multiple federal departments and the Canadian Armed Forces. On Thursday, BC Emergency Management Minister Bowen Ma requested the help as the province faces what has already become a record-breaking fire season. Right now, there are more than 360 fires burning across BC, most of them classified as out of control. 17 of those are threatening buildings or infrastructure. Charges have been laid in connection with a racist rant in a Vancouver Tim Hortons last month. And this isn't the first time the accused has had a run-in with the law. Remina Dea is at the Tim Hortons where the incident happened with reaction from the victim. Remina. Sophie, the young woman is back here at work. She had a big smile on her face today. She did not want to go on camera, but she's very happy a charge has been laid. She told me it feels like justice. I don't want to hear your liberal foolishness of equality. There is no excuse for you. The young South Asian cashier shocked when a stranger allegedly unleashed a racist tirade. What's that? Go outside. Quiet. Do what you're told. I don't want to hear your mouth anymore. And the rest of your food is scum. The disturbing incident going down inside the Tim Hortons at Pender and Abbott in Vancouver last month. A customer capturing crucial evidence. And I noticed this man was speaking to the cashier in this condescending manner. Um, him saying to her, Atta girl, it's good that you know how to serve us. I became quite concerned. Vancouver police say 57-year-old Peter Anthony Gagan has just been charged with one count of causing a disturbance. It was very hateful, uh, very racist remarks that were said. And I mean, nobody should have to go to work, no matter where you work, and be berated like this and be abused. It's not the first time Gagan's been accused of racially motivated speech. In 2017, he pleaded guilty to assault and uttering threats after a racial rant against a woman and her son at a SkyTrain station in August 2016. A good Samaritan who tried to help was also attacked. Gagan received a conditional sentence, no jail time. In the case currently before the courts, Vancouver police say it's out of their hands now. We take these crimes very seriously. We want people to report these crimes. Here at the VPD, we have a dedicated unit that investigates crimes with an underlying hate element, and that's exactly what we did in this case. Ultimately, it's up to the court to decide whether someone gets released. In this latest case, a judge released Gagan. He's not due back in court until October 31st. Romina Dea, Global News. We are learning more about the allegations against a Surrey Police Services member who took his own life at a gun range earlier this year. Documents unsealed after a court challenge by Global News reveal the constable was under investigation for inappropriately messaging a teen. And as Catherine Urquhart reports, that's raising questions about how officers are vetted by police forces desperate for members. Constable Dilbang Dylan Hoti was a member of the RCMP for 10 months before he joined Surrey Police Service. Three months in, he was arrested by his former employer for breach of trust involving a 15-year-old girl. In February, just after being told he was being charged, he took his own life at a shooting range in Langley. 
Now, following a court challenge by Global News, search warrants and affidavits in the case have been unsealed. They reveal that during a 48-hour period, 40 texts were exchanged between the officer and the girl whom he met while investigating the disappearance of her friend. Documents show the girl filed a report with Surrey RCMP in August 2022, saying she had identified herself to Hoti as 15 years old. And after initial texts, he asked to transition to his personal cell phone. She said he asked to meet with him late at night and had engaged in conversations about consuming alcohol, telling her he gets wild and horny when he drinks. He told her he wanted to meet at 10 to 10.30 p.m. to play truth or dare in person, something she initially suggested. The girl's cell phone data was extracted by investigators. Days later, Hoti was arrested, his two cell phones and notebooks seized. His service revolver was taken and he was suspended. The revelations are prompting some to question the vetting of officers. Police organizations are reducing the standards that are required. But what is critical in whatever standards they're reducing is they maintain a couple of things related to integrity testing, such as the polygraph, and certainly psychological testing. RCMPE division responded to questions about Hoti saying mandatory pre-employment polygraphs were in place during his RCMP application process, adding hiring includes psychological and other testing. Surrey Police Service said the behavioral interview and the detailed reference check with previous employers provides a great deal of information about the professionalism and character of the candidate. It's unclear if further vetting would have made any difference in the Hoti case. Allegations against him remain unproven. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Search and rescue teams have halted their search for a missing woman with Alzheimer's. 69-year-old Li Fang Cheng was last seen near Harper Road on Burke Mountain in Coquitlam shortly before 9 a.m. Monday. She was reported missing that afternoon and a major search operation began. While crews are no longer actively searching the heavily forested flanks of the mountain, police say the effort to find her is still very active. We're still treating this as a missing person investigation with the assumption that she is somewhere alive and that we just need to find her. Uh, we are still appealing to the public for any update as to where she may have walked or been last seen. We are asking the public to provide any video surveillance, pictures, uh, dash cam. Cheng is described as 5 feet 5 inches tall, 130 pounds. She has medium length gray and black hair and brown eyes and was last seen wearing a black jumpsuit and a straw hat. The mayor of Merritt is demanding changes to BC's health care system. As Aaron MacArthur reports, after a major medical incident unfolded near Revelstoke, staff shortages resulted in his hospital, several hundred kilometres away, being closed for 13 hours. A medical emergency captured in real time Wednesday. Two people died after a fiery collision on the Trans-Canada Highway, the accident creating staffing issues across Southern Interior hospitals. Due to staff shortages, a nurse in Kelowna was supposed to cover a shift in Merritt Wednesday night, but because of the accident, they were diverted to Revelstoke. As a result, the Nicola Valley Hospital was forced to close for 13 hours. 
it only goes to show what razor thin edge we walk every single day with such a broken system that one nurse in a car can control whether two hospitals stay open or close. The Nicola Valley Regional Hospital, like many healthcare facilities in BC, has been hit hard by staffing shortages. The ER has been closed 13 separate times in 2023. The mayor says it's time for the province to come up with solutions that go beyond promises, wondering if it's time for a new set of eyes in the health ministry. And this is where the premier now needs to be the boss and do a work evaluation with the Ministry of Health and say, you know what, maybe we need to have a plan. Because at this point in time, we don't have a plan. In the short term, it's about recognizing the credentials and the skills of the people who are already here in BC who have international experience, getting them off of the sidelines and into the hospitals to provide care. We're working closely with the College of Nurses. We've got uh, over a thousand uh, nurses that are ready to go uh, going through that process. According to the mayor, while the Nicola Valley ER was closed, a woman collapsed at the front doors of the hospital. Merritt emergency crews responded, but were forced to take the woman an hour away to Kamloops for treatment. Getz wants to know whether it will take a death during one of these closures to convince the government to appropriately staff the facility. This is the thing that will make this government stand or fall in the next election, based on health care and one ministry. Getz says there will likely be more closures at the Merritt ER as the year goes on. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Well, a new poll suggests the B.C. NDP is still ahead of its political rivals. Let's bring in our Keith Baldry and Victoria with more on this. Keith, the survey was asking people how they would vote if an election were to be held now. Yeah, it appears the B.C. NDP government has de developed a bit of a Teflon quality to it. We had a recent poll from Angus Reid a couple weeks ago that gives the NDP a failing grade on all the important issues, most important to British Columbians, and a big failing grade, yet they still would win an election uh, if one were held today. Take a look at the Leger numbers. They're very similar to Angus Reid. Same situation. They didn't poll on issues, but when it comes to vote, uh, decided voter, the NDP decidedly to 17 points, 44% over the B.C. United Party, which most people don't even know exists. The BC Conservatives a distant third, but much higher than they've been polling for years at 16%, and the BC Greens slipping down to fourth place at 11%. So this tells me the BC United has a big branding problem. So if he, uh, this is again replaced the mm -hmm. old BC Liberal Party, I think most people still don't know what they who they are. Good news for them is there's still a long time before the next election get into a big marketing campaign, I think, very quickly. It'd be interesting to see how the BC United poll numbers compared to BC Liberal numbers before they did the name mm -hmm. change, but this. Latest poll, Keith, has some good news for Premier Eby. Yeah, he continues to truck along at fairly high approval ratings. Not as high as John Horgan, his predecessor, but still numbers I think any leader would be comfortable with. Here's the, the approval rating. He, again, continues to be in the mid-40s at 46%. Uh, Sonia Furstenau is now the second highest approval rating. That's the first for her at 30%. Kevin Falcon of BC United struggling at 28%. John Rusted, relatively new name, at 17%. But again, Falcon is paying a price here for a low branding situation where most people don't know the name of his party and he's relatively new on the scene in terms of being a leader again the good news for the bc united it's still a long time before the next election not until october uh, 2024 but again i think the NDP has to be very pleased with what they see here the liberal the you know, uh, did it again said the liberals <laughs> i meant the bc united uh, tell me though things are looking up for them when it comes to fundraising so maybe that means they're turning the corner when it comes to name recognition mm -hmm. all right thanks for that keith
Well, with actors joining writers on Hollywood picket lines, there's concern about the effects on this side of the border. The jobs and big dollars at stake in Hollywood North in just over a minute. Um, they came and attacked um, every night for about five nights. Residents of a Maple Ridge neighborhood speaking out about what they say is an influx of bears in their community. Plus, might as well jump the skydive event aimed at helping veterans heal. That's later. Right now, though, with members of the Screen Actors Guild now joining movie and television writers on the picket lines, Productions have come to a halt in Hollywood North. As Travis Prasad reports, that means just as port workers are getting back to their jobs, another of BC's major economic engines has been shut off. Lights, camera, job action. Hollywood actors swapping script lines for picket lines, joining writers who've already been on strike for more than 70 days. Pressing pause on American productions, a big blow to Hollywood North. Absolutely, we're reliant upon them. It's what we built our industry on. 85% of our work comes from uh, the American productions or the production services that we do here. Despite billions of dollars at stake for BC's economy alone, Vancouver actor Nelson Lees feels the strike is necessary, saying the sticking points of better compensation from streaming services and assurance that artificial intelligence won't replace actors are real concerns. Performers and creators don't want work taken off their plate. We want to do that work. We're happy to do that work. It's our lifeblood. Well, New York is the city that never sleeps, but here in this New York-themed backlot in Langley, it's all quiet. As sets like this sit empty, the effects trickle down into businesses that support the industry in BC. The bakeries, the clothing stores, the lumber yards, all of these businesses are impacted and um, we all suffer the same. Creative BC, whose mission is to grow the province's creative sector, says the industry is evolving rapidly, business models have changed, and addressing these changes is part of a necessary industry business cycle. We respect the process and all parties. I think we're going to end up long term with a loss of some of the crew that won't be able to necessarily hold themselves through this, this period of downtime and we'll maybe have to go and find something else. Those whose livelihoods are at risk understand the realities of job action. It's obviously not ideal. A lot of us are going to be taking a hit. An entire industry hopeful this drama plays out like a short film rather than a full-length feature. Travis Prasad, Global News. And according to Creative BC, the film industry generates $3.23 billion in direct output and contributes $2.4 billion to the province's GDP. There are more than 40,000 people employed in the industry full-time, more than 40,000 who work part-time or on a freelance basis. And the industry says every dollar spent making TV or movies leads to $3 in economic activity. Adding insult to injury for an evicted tenant. It seems a little underhanded. It seems like things might be going on behind the scenes. Why she was forced to move and what she discovered when she visited her old home. And still to come, new rules to cut back on single-use plastics. Traffic is steady both ways over here at the Patello Bridge tonight. Just keep in mind there is ongoing road work at both ends. To through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert care for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. Kermac is celebrating 50 years of collision and auto glass services. Choose the best. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Patello Bridge.
The Canadian Real Estate Association has downgraded its home sales forecast for this year. New statistics by the CREA show national sales edged up slightly last month, but it reports while sales have rebounded, higher interest rates continue to weigh on buyers' plans. CREA is now forecasting sales will fall 6.8% this year and then fall again in 2024 as fewer buyers jump into the market. Vancouver Council has approved changes to the False Creek North official community plan to allow for the creation of 661 non-market rental homes. The announcement is part of an agreement between the city and Concord Pacific regarding six undeveloped lots owned by the developer. Concord will transfer three of them to the city for the creation of non-market housing. The other three lots will be used by Concord for market housing. In a tweet, Mayor Ken Sim said this approval is the latest step in the city's commitment to making housing more affordable. A Vancouver Island woman says she and her family were forced out of their home and left with no recourse, apparently the victim of municipal red tape. Kylie Stanton reports. I moved into the rental home in April of 2020. It was the perfect fit. Three bedrooms, one and a half baths in a beautiful neighborhood. But Chelsea Langlois and her family hardly settled in before they were told to get out. My landlord let me know that they were selling to a developer and that they would be demolishing. Between a global pandemic and the housing crisis, the timing couldn't have been worse. It put us in a position where my family and I had to really consider um, leaving the area entirely. We um, also had to consider uh, possibly uh, taking on van life. Um, and we also looked at separating our family just to house us. With the clock ticking, Langlois reached out to Qatar Development Group, requesting an extension, but were told the demolition was going ahead as planned. She managed to secure a new place, pack up and move, only to discover months later. Not only had it not been demolished, but it's still standing and it has new tenants living in it. According to the developer, the demolition permit issued by the city of Langford was later revoked. The property was inspected and the city instead issued the developers a permit to move the house. Qatar Development Group says it followed all protocols and regulations that were laid out by the city. In a statement saying the election and permit regulations have delayed this project significantly. We are actively pursuing all avenues to get this project off the ground. In the meantime, it's been forced to re-rent the property to keep the project affordable and attainable. And knowing that that home is still standing and we could still be living there, I would like to see the city take accountability for their actions. A city spokesperson told Global News the file has been a part of a public hearing. The development's rezoning is on Monday's council agenda for adoption. We moved out in February of 2022. Still, Langlois says the situation has cost her family immensely. Not only the additional $1,000 a month in rent, but her faith in Langford City Hall. I would like to see the city really look at how they're going to tackle our housing crisis rather than contributing to it. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Langford. Just ahead, energy drinks in the spotlight after the recall of popular products. If you fill yourself up with these caffeine drinks, you're not eating as much healthy food. Comparing caffeine content and what health experts recommend. Also ahead, a warning from health officials how the death cap mushroom could live up to its name.
flow is out at the Massey Tunnel, two lanes in both directions and traffic is moving well. Keep in mind though, there is overnight road work south of the tunnel on Highway 99 towards Ladner Trunk. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $65 million plus an estimated eight max millions. Lotto Max dreamed to the max. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Massey Tunnel. The BC government is putting in new rules to speed up the elimination of hard-to-recycle single-use plastics. The new regulations cover plastic shopping bags, disposable food service items like plastic forks and knives, and foam packaging along with many other types of plastic. The rules are designed to mesh with existing municipal bylaws and federal regulations which prohibit the manufacture, import and sale of those items. In 2022, just in Metro Vancouver, 1.3 billion single-use items were thrown out. Some items will be banned, some will be by request only, and in some cases there'll be a fee for replacement items to ensure that they are reused. For instance, paper bags or, or cloth bags. There'll be various standards uh, put in place for paper bags that they have to have uh, post-consumer recycled content and for uh, cloth bags that they uh, can be washed at, and reused at least 100 times. This is a focus on, on reuse. The new rules will go into effect in December. Well, the BC Centre for Disease Control is warning about toxic death cap mushrooms appearing early in urban areas of southwestern BC. People need to be on alert as the death cap is toxic, can cause liver damage and even death. A child in the Vancouver Coastal Health Region recently ate part of a death cap and needed medical treatment. Well, the mushrooms can be found in Metro Vancouver, the Fraser Valley and on Vancouver Island. If you ingest one accidentally, the BC Centre for Disease Control advises that you head to your nearest hospital. Energy drinks can be found in most stores and there are few limits on who can buy them. But as Canada recalls some products over high levels of caffeine and the U.S. considers a probe on at least one brand, doctors are raising concerns over their impact on youth. Sean Preville reports. Canadians continue to turn to energy drinks when they need that boost of energy to get through a long day. But with new recalls issued on several brands over caffeine levels, medical experts are raising concerns about the effects those drinks may have on those under 18. J.P. Chaput with the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario says one-third of young Canadians are reported to not get enough sleep. One way to cope with lack of sleep is uh, maybe to have a, a stimulant. But pediatricians say high levels of caffeine from some energy drinks can lead to anxiety, insomnia, headaches and chest pain. Dr. Anna Banerjee says with youth, they also may not drink just one. And while it may help them for a time, it's not sustainable or healthy. If you fill yourself up with these caffeine drinks, caffeinated high energy drinks, you're not eating as much healthy food. What you really want is food. The level of caffeine in energy drinks ranges, with some like Red Bull having 80 milligrams, while Rockstar has 160. By comparison, a cup of tea has about 40 milligrams, but others, like 5-Hour Energy, have 200 milligrams of caffeine, not only exceeding what is recommended for youth under 18, but the amount allowed in energy drinks in Canada. That amount prompted Canada to recall several drinks, including 5-Hour Energy, Celsius Dietary Supplement and Prime Energy. But some warned the bright colours, logos and fruit flavours of some drinks will still bring in young customers. One marketing expert says word of mouth among young consumers can spread. Me telling you that I have one of these before I go to the gym, or I had one of these before the game, or I had one of these to get ready for a test, 
carries so much weight. Experts say the best way to tackle the issue includes education and potential government policies and a very clear message. Everyone should sing from the same song sheet and saying that yeah, uh, energy drinks are not good for you. But there may still be challenges to get youth to take a drink of that advice. Sean Preville, Global News. Coming up, a Maple Ridge community on edge. We're scared. Residents of Wanak say they're seeing an uptick of aggressive bears in their neighborhood. What they say could be behind the influx next. Plus, sportsmanship in action. A touching moment at the Canada Cup in Surrey. From the stories that affect us all to a look at what's happening right now around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. The owners of a Maple Ridge farm in the Wanak area of Maple Ridge say their farm is under siege. Bears have run rampant to the farm's eight chicken coops, killing the specialty chickens at the Rainbow Eggs farm. As Paul Johnson reports, the owners fear for the lives of their remaining livestock. Come on. Calling over her one remaining hen and chicks. Pascal Shaw has had a tough go of it recently at her small farm near Maple Ridge. We have no chickens left. Um, they came and attacked um, every night for about five nights. They would be a handful of black bears that started feasting on her prized poultry about the middle of last month, hitting the coops one by one. Shaw has been here for a dozen years and never had a bear problem this bad. She said a camera put up by the Conservation Officer Service spotted at least eight on her property in the span of 30 minutes. They come day and night and they don't leave us alone. They've uh, attacked five different farms on our road. When the bear learned that it could get into a chicken coop here, it decided to come down the road to my place. Neighbor Sharna Chan has resorted to shooting a paintball gun at them. Her home security video revealed this textbook example of the legendary tenacity of a black bear that smells food. She's teaching the cubs how to do this. I've got them on video. We reached out to the conservation officer service, but didn't hear back in time for this report. Both Shaw and Chan say they're in the process of beefing up countermeasures like electric fencing, but can only move so fast in a single season. Shaw thinks road construction and logging in the area has displaced the bears. And if that's the case, she thinks government ought to have stepped up more. We're scared that nothing is being done to address the influx of bears coming into our community. Um, we weren't warned about that we would have more bears coming. Um, there was no offer made to help us, you know, increase our security or electric fencing or anything like that. Near Maple Ridge, Paul Johnson, Global News. All right, let's bring in meteorologist Christy Gordon now with a look at our weather forecast as the mercury climbs a little bit. Christy? Yeah, I don't think it's the heat so much, Sophie, although we are going to see it this weekend. That is going to be our biggest concern. It's really going to be the smoke. If you're in an area that is seeing sunshine, 
Consider yourself incredibly lucky. Look at this satellite image from today, just a few hours ago. A good portion of BC, certainly the Caribou, Central Ontario, Northeastern BC, and all of Alberta covered in widespread thick smoke. Here's some images from Prince George. Jill sharing this, saying this was the, what it was like today, and then on the left was before the smoke pushed in. And I looked back at some of the records. It looks like this region, Prince George, have been experiencing smoke at the very least off and on for more than a week now. Mike sharing this one of an image from last year and then the same image uh, today. And this image is really poignant in my opinion from Amanda in Clinton. Uh, you know, it not only impacts the smoke that is, not only impacts people, but many wildlife as, as well. That's a great shot, Amanda. Thanks so much. All right, so we are expecting a bit of smoke to ease across the far southern portions of the province, but it will continue to be widespread in through Whitehorse, BC Peace River, Central Interior Caribou region tomorrow. We'll see that right down into Williams Lake, Kamloops, Revelstoke, and Golden also. Areas further south, Kelowna, Suyus, the smoke will just come and go. And for the south coast, we're so lucky. We are expecting sunshine and not only Saturday, Day, but on Sunday as well. Yes, it will be hot, but considering what they're dealing with in the interior, we're pretty lucky. A little bit of cloud cover and rain on Monday, but it won't last long. We're back to sunshine and heat on Tuesday. Sophie, tonight's central windows weather window comes to you from Francois Lake, which is just outside of Vanderhoof, where they're dealing with numerous fires. Loretta sharing that photo with us. So back to you. That is ominous. All right. Thanks, Christy. A touching moment at the Canada Cup in Surrey. After Team Ukraine's women's softball team won its first game in the tournament against its Saskatchewan opponents, the Canadian team presented them with a check. The players from Saskatchewan gave $1,400 to the Ukraine's softball program. When the Prairie Renegades heard about the team's journey to come to Canada, they started a bottle drive last month to raise funds for them. Great to see that mm -hmm. kind of That's awesome. yeah. sportsmanship there. And uh, if you want to, I mean, great weather for it this weekend too. Canada should play their playoff game tomorrow afternoon at 1, I believe. So if you wanted to go down to Softball City and check it out. Now, Lions fans are well aware of Nathan Rourke's ability, but his little brother Curtis is making people notice too at Ohio University in the U.S. I think growing up our play styles have been different. Um, but we each working on, you know, helping each other get, you know, what's been lacking in the other person's games. Curtis Rourke gets ready for his final college season, hoping it will lead to something bigger in the pros. And later tonight. So you can see me, I'm just like buzzing. The healing power of skydiving. How Operation Pegasus is helping veterans take a leap toward wellness. Manny Sartini. He does Always like something. He does love to talk, <laughs> and he likes to talk to officials, and that kind of got him in trouble. But he still will be at the game tomorrow, just That's not good. where we normally see him. <laughs> All right, thanks, Sophie. Um, it'll be a whole lot quieter 
on the Whitecaps sideline tomorrow night when Vancouver hosts the LA Galaxy at 7.30. Whitecaps head coach Vanny Sartini has been suspended one game for yellow card accumulation. Once he gets three, he gets suspended. So he will be forced to watch the game from the press box, high above the field, a different perspective, but the volume will likely still be on high. Yeah, 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 for sure. I'm not going to be calm. <laughs> and uh, uh, also because uh, when you're upstairs, you see even things much better than when you're on the on the level. So uh, probably I'm going to be, yeah, like you said, bouncing and excited like a fan and uh, trying to, you know, but uh, there's no the, there's no problem for one game. It's OK. Uh, while Nathan Rourke pursues his NFL dream with the Jacksonville Jaguars, his younger brother Curtis is preparing for his final season at Ohio University, the same American college that Nathan went to. Curtis also put up fantastic numbers in 2022, and it seems inevitable he will turn into a very good pro, just like his older brother. If it walks like a Rourke and talks like a Rourke. Yeah, uh, for sure. We got it growing up. Then you'd expect Curtis to be able to throw like his older brother, Nathan Rourke. I think we had a basketball hoop in the driveway, and we had countless and countless of games that we, we played. And, and a lot of them didn't end in, in us being, uh, both of us being happy, but it was, it was competitiveness that we, we instilled in each other. The 22-year-olds will be a redshirt senior for the Ohio Bobcats this season, the same school that Nathan starred at before becoming a CFL standout with the BC Lions. Rourke towards the end zone, wide open. In his first year as a starter, Nathan was named the CFL's most outstanding Canadian despite missing nearly half the season. In an eerie coincidence, Curtis's junior campaign was also cut short because of an injury. I mean, it happens. It's the game of football, and, and it's just, I think it's more about how you respond and how you recover from that. The Rourke brothers have always been close, even through those awkward moments. I was taller than him uh, senior high school back in 2016, and then I went to off to college for um, training camp for about a couple weeks and came back home and he was taller than I was. Height isn't the only difference between the two. While Nathan has quicker feet, Curtis looks to have a stronger arm. His 3,256 passing yards in 2022 is more than Nathan ever threw for in a single season at Ohio. And Curtis is currently 2,000 yards shy of surpassing Big Bro for all-time passing yards at the school. Every quarterback has a little bit of similarities here and there. Um, I think growing up our play styles have been different. But, you know, ultimately I think we have the same thought process and just doing whatever we can to help the team win. Another strong season with the Bobcats could lead to Curtis being selected in the NFL draft. There has never been two Canadian quarterbacks in the NFL at the same time. I think we're going to see that happen next year. So I'm looking forward to seeing what this season uh, has in store for him. I'd love to be able to play professionally wherever that may be one day. Um, and but this year I'm just focusing on, on having a good year, getting that team um, as, as much help we can um, and doing the best. Novak Djokovic is already the winningest Grand Slam champ in tennis history with 23 titles. But at age 36, the Serbian is playing his best tennis ever. How does that happen? He's already won the Australian and French Opens this year and is now a win away from an eighth Wimbledon title after breezing past Italy's Yannick Sinner in the semifinals today in London. Sinner is 21, 15 years younger, one of several young guns in their early 20s 
who tried to challenge Djokovic, but they rarely beat him. Djokovic won the opening set, and then in the second set, after an early break, big serve and volley winner there, took the second set, did not lose his serve the entire match, and no one plays the big points bigger than he does. Reacts to the net cord, just instinct takes over, and Djokovic is into another final. He's won the last four times the tournament's been played and has seven Wimbledon titles, shooting for eight on Sunday. He is an intimidating figure, to be sure. And he will play 20-year-old Spanish star Carlos Alcaraz in the final. The top seed Alcaraz took out number three Daniel Medvedev in straight sets, finishing off with this epic match point. But can Alcaraz get his first Wimbledon title against Djokovic? It should be fantastic. They've split their two career meetings, both on clay. Djokovic won recently at the French Open in the semis. But Djokovic definitely the favorite on the grass at Wimbledon. World Rugby Pacific Four Series from Ottawa, Canada taking on Australia. New Zealand wrapped up the title with an earlier win over the U.S., but second place was on the line tonight, and Canada got on the board first. Sophie de Goody, the team captain from Victoria, powers her way in for the try. Canada up 7-0 in front of a nice crowd in Ottawa. Now 19-7 Canada, very late first half, and it's de Goody one more time. Great fate, fake, and then explodes through the Aussie defenders. Her second try of the match, and Canada wins it by the final of 45-7. So they finished in second place among the four teams. And Major League Baseball second half underway. Vladdy Guerrero Jr. picking up right where he left off after winning the home run derby at the All-Star Game in Seattle. First time ever a home run derby champ has homered in his first at-bat when they got back to playing. Good for Vladdy. If he can keep doing that, the Jays are in business. They're up 7-2 in the eighth. That's it. All right. Thanks, Barry. Mm -hmm. Up next, why hundreds of veterans and first responders took a flying leap today. Global News at Noon. All your local news. All your breaking news. We begin today with breaking news. Stay on top of today's stories with Global News at Noon. Weekdays on Global BC. Jordan Armstrong here now with a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jordan? And Sophie, coming up tonight, quite the scare in a Victoria neighborhood today when a huge tree came crashing down. We're told the oak tree narrowly missed a moving car and a house. Fortunately, the resident was in the backyard at the time and not the front. This happened near Gorge Road and Inlet Avenue. We'll hear from a witness at 11. Also, good news about that small fire near Pitt Lake. The BC Wildfire Service has just reported the blaze is now being held. Sophie? All right, something positive. Yeah. Thanks very much, Jordan. Well, skydiving is probably not the first activity that comes to mind to help heal those with PTSD. But a special program in Campbell River is a hit with veterans and first responders trying to find inner peace. Julie Nolan has more on Operation Pegasus and how veterans are helping veterans. Look up. Go! They're certainly used to this intense training. Get out of the twist. These current and former first responders and military members are being put through the paces. Crossover. It's the second year of what's called Operation Pegasus. They're channeling their past experiences, both the good and really bad, into skydiving here at the Campbell River Skydive Center. I always did want to jump out of plane, and I didn't have... I didn't have the chance when I was in the military. It might seem crazy to most people, but this activity is actually meant to help these participants to heal from post-traumatic stress disorder. For the last couple of years, I, I'm 
I've been, I've been struggling a little bit. Last year, there were 100 participants. Now triple that number because their pain is real. <laughs> Having witnessed immense tragedy on the job or even at war, their bonds are immediate and strong. I come here, I, I feel that, I feel that connection with the guys again. They're like, uh, I get to be their brother right away almost. You don't know this person, you get together, and, uh, and it's like you've known them your whole life because you share that common, you know, first responder mindset. Taking a leap into wellness is just what these adrenaline junkies need right now. Most of the vet, I talk to them and it seems like we really need that, uh, that excitement, that adrenaline rush. It's, that's how we've been trained. Lifted up by the experience with their feet back on the ground, for some, it's a feeling of freedom from what's been tying them down. Uh, I really like the rush and I like the danger. And sometimes I say, if the parachute don't open, it's okay. It's just, I'm, I'm doing what I love. <laughs> Julie Nolan, Global News. It is an amazing experience. If you feel comfortable <laughs> jumping out of a plane. Which you do, apparently. Well, I wouldn't say comfort, comfortable is the right word exactly. It's counterintuitive, but yeah. once you get out, have you done it, Christy? I can't remember. No, I haven't. I've, I have wanted to, I, but I'm wondering if that time has passed for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, me too. I did in the past want to. <laughs> no, I uh, But you. yeah, I remember you and you did it. That was awesome. Yeah, I'm, my time has passed too. I've done it. I've been there. I've done that. Now, chickens can't fly for a reason because <laughs> yeah. I'm a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> well said, Barry. Okay, final word on the forecast, Christy. Sure. So sunshine and warmth this weekend. Enjoy it, everyone. We're very lucky to not be contending with smoke like many areas in the interior will be this weekend. Cooler on Monday with a bit of rainfall, but not enough rain, that's for sure. We're back to sunshine beyond that. All right, that's it for us tonight. Have a good night and a good weekend, everyone.